You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 4. The Bible says, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. Verse number 15, But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then He forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Verse number 18, Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And then verse 31, For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. We pray your blessing upon the preaching of your word, uh, may we not miss what you have for us. We thank you for this uh, opportunity we have to be in church together. We thank you for your people and their faithfulness to be here. I thank you for all the folks right now that are serving in our children's ministries and our bus ministry. I thank you for the great morning we've had so far. I pray now that you give us exactly what we need from the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've got a picture. I was going to ask the fellows if you would be willing to put on the screen um, here. This is a picture of a rock. Now, I don't expect that you've d done this in your yard. You've made a, a rock in your yard uh, to become a tourist attraction. Uh, but this is not an ordinary rock. Uh, this rock was discovered, and for those of you that are listening on the radio, we've got a, a picture on the screen of a, a big rock. It's actually nine feet wide, nine feet long, and it's about three feet deep. It's, if you could see the aerial view, it would look a lot like a square. But this rock was discovered in southwest Africa in 1920. There was a farmer that was plowing a field, and he hit something hard, and he, uh, with his plow, and he kept going, and it sounded a little unusual, a little different, so he began to dig, and can you imagine his surprise when he realized that that rock's not coming out of that field? He discovered this rock, and uh, they had some folks come and look at it, and they determined this to be a meteorite. This is, uh, currently, this is the largest meteorite that has been found intact. Uh, on planet earth it weighs about 60 tons and so they decided not to move it they decided to leave it right there and they made a nice little area where you can come and you can uh, uh, see it and you can gather around they could have little uh, lectures there about this rock and where it was found but this rock was discovered and what made this special is that a meteorite is a a rock or a a piece of, of, of material that did not originate on earth. This is a rock that came from outer space and it was, it was found really by accident while a, a farmer was plowing. The language there in that area, the, the, the name of this meteorite, it's called the Hoba, H-O-B-A, Hoba meteorite. 
And they got that word from the language of the area, and that word hoba means gift. And they felt like that this rock was a gift to them, that uh, they were able to find this. Well, I've never been to see that meteorite. Has anybody in here ever seen the Hoba meteorite other than on a picture? You know, of course, we've all seen it on a picture now. I've never been there. I'll be honest with you, I don't have a lot of interest in going to see a rock that's nine by nine by three and it weighs 600 tons. I don't have a lot of interest in doing that. But can I tell you, about 2,000 years ago, there was another rock. It came to this earth. That rock did not originate on earth. That rock originated, by the way, in heaven. But to be fair, there was no beginning and there was no end because that rock is Jesus. He is the everlasting father. He's always been. He always will be. David writes in uh, 2 Samuel and David writes throughout the Psalms and he calls Jesus, he calls him the rock of our salvation. The other reference to the rock of salvation is found here in this passage, the only other passage, Deuteronomy 32, 15, the rock of his salvation. I'd like to speak to you this morning for a few moments on the subject, Jesus, the rock of our salvation. This chapter in Deuteronomy was given by Moses as a song. He wrote this song, and by the way, Moses also has a song that is recorded for us in Psalm 90. And Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Moses gave a song after the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Uh, uh, the Lord hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider hath he thrown into the sea. So Moses was a songwriter. And Moses gave a song to the children of Israel. And he gave them this song for two reasons. Number one, he gave them the song to remind Israel of who God is. And secondly, he gave them this song to remind Israel of what God has done. Can I say in 2022 to the Victory Baptist Church, we need to be reminded of who God is. And we need to be reminded of what God has done. I want you to notice in Deuteronomy 32, number one, as we talk about Jesus, the rock of our salvation, I want you to see first his character. The Bible says in verse 4, He is the rock. His work is what? It's perfect. All His ways are judgment. He is a God of what? He's a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. Number one, I see His character. His character is that He is faultless. The Bible says that our God, he is the rock and he has no fault. Now, can I tell you, he's the only one that can claim to have no fault because we all have fault. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'm glad that Jesus came and he had no sin. He was without sin. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was spotless. He was the lamb of God that came to take away our sin. You know how he could take away our sin? Because he didn't have any sin of his own. He stood before Pilate and Pilate at that trial, he said to the people that were gathered there, he said, folks, I want to tell you, I find no fault in him. I want to tell you, the longer you live and the longer I live and the more we go through life, 
the more we will find that people will disappoint us and people will let us down. But Jesus is faultless. He is sinless. He is perfect and without iniquity. He's faultless. But secondly, I see about his character is that his word is final. Now, in your home, can I tell you, men, isn't it great as the man of the home? Isn't it? Some of you are getting ahead of me here. By the way, you can go back to that other uh, slide there uh, where I'm not going to talk anymore about this meteorite. At least I'm not planning on it. But um, in your home, man, isn't it great when you get the final word? Now, apparently you've not been in the victory Bible class because Brother Dan has taught us many times uh, that as men, we get the final word. And the final word is, yes, dear. <laughs> Something like that, right? I guess that's two words. But can I tell you, when it comes to God, His word is final. His word is true. He has never made a mistake. It's funny to me, when you watch the news or if you listen to the news, it's amazing how they'll tell you this whole story. And as you're listening, you're thinking, that doesn't sound right. And then over time, more information comes out. More information becomes available. And then by the time you hear it a month later or six months later or a year later, you say, that's a totally different story than what they said before. And I tell you, God's never had that problem. Because God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. There has never been new information made available to God. He has the final word. His word is truth. And not only is his word truth, but it says just and right is he. Boy, sometimes we think we're right. Sometimes we act like we're right. Sometimes we're pretty confident we're right. And then we find out, oh, I, I wasn't right. I was wrong. Can I tell you, God has never been wrong. He's never made a mistake. As for God, His way is perfect. I'm so thankful that I serve a God who has never made an error. He has never made a mistake in judgment. He has never had to issue an apology because He is perfect. Number three, He's faithful. Not only is He faultless and His word is final, but number three, He is faithful. His work and the work that he has done in you and the work that he's doing in me and the ways of his judgment are faithful. Now, there have been times where I have not been faithful to God, but I'm here to tell you this morning that he's always been faithful to me. Amen. And you'll find that God is a faithful God. You'll find that God will not disappoint you. People will fail you. People will let you down. People will not come through, but God is faithful. And Moses says, I want to tell you, Israel, that he is the rock of our salvation. And I want to remind you of his character. Number two, I want you to see in this passage, the consideration. It says in verse 15, but Jeshurun, that's another name for Israel. Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked and thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then when Israel was prosperous. When Israel was blessed, when Israel had everything that they needed, then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. 
Now, I cannot imagine how we would forsake God, but let me remind you, number one, in this consideration, number one, he's the one that saved us. He's the one that found us. Would you notice verse 10? The Bible says that God found Israel in a desert land, in the waste howling wilderness. He led them about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. I want to remind you today that if you're here today and you're saved, if you've been born again, it's not because you found the Lord. It's because he found you. As a matter of fact, you couldn't find the Lord. You couldn't get to God because of our sin. We've all come short and our sin has separated us from a holy God. But Jesus Christ, the son of God came and he came to seek and to save. That which was lost. Can I tell you, when you're lost, you're not finding nothing. When you're lost, you're not finding anybody. But Jesus came on a search and rescue mission, and he came and he found you, and he found me. And aren't you glad for the day that Jesus found you? And the day that he saved you in Israel, they had nothing. They were in a wilderness. They, they, they had no hope. They had no direction. They had no purpose. They had no escape. And yet God came and he found them. And I'm glad for the day that Jesus found me. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you're not going to find salvation by church membership. You're not going to find salvation by getting baptized. You're not going to find salvation by being a good person. Salvation is only found through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is already looking for you. He's knocking on your heart's door. He calls out and says, Whosoever will may come, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Israel had been found. Israel had been rescued. Israel had been saved. But then I see that Israel experienced fatness. Verse number 15. Now we use that word and whenever we use that word, we think, oh man, I got to lose some weight. I got to exercise or I got to go on a diet. Well, no, no, no. This word here, this is a good thing. It means that Israel was prosperous. Israel was blessed. Israel had everything that they needed. Can I tell you everything good that you and I have in our lives is all because of God. I feel, I feel sometimes so, I, I feel so confused sometimes. I mentioned this in the early service. But I'll be listening to news or, or I'll be hearing some news about what's going on in the Ukraine or news of what's going on in Russia. Or I'll hear news about something going on in a third world country or Brother Tackett or some missionaries. They'll, they'll, they'll show a video and, and they'll show how people live in other places of the world. And I almost feel like sometimes I can't comprehend that. You know why? Because in the United States of America, we are so spoiled. We are so blessed. The things you complain about, the things I complain about, people would give everything just to have what you and I have. And can I tell you why we've been blessed? Can I tell you why we have the things that we have? It's all because of God. And God had blessed Israel. They were fat. They were prosperous. They were taken care of. They had everything they needed. But then I want you to notice they became foolish. Because the Bible says that they forsook God, which made him. But then it says they lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. 
That, that, that phrase, to lightly esteem, it means just to take something for granted. It's not really that big of a deal. It's not really that important. Would you notice in verse number 18, it says, Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. I see that they were foolish. They thought that they did not need God. Now, I have some keys here. And uh, we've all done it, but sometimes you leave your keys somewhere and you get to where you're going. These are my church keys. And if I left my keys here and I went home and I came back to the church and couldn't get, it, couldn't get in, right? I could try all the doors, but the doors are locked. I can't get in. Well, I didn't mean to leave my keys here. I just forgot. Sometimes that's the way it goes with God, isn't it? We don't leave him behind on purpose. We just forget. We just get too busy with other things. We just don't think about him like we should. We just don't love him like we should. We just don't praise him like we should. We have no intention of forsaking God. Like, I'm not taking these keys and throwing them in the trash. I'm just forgetting them. But then what if one day, if I just decided, you know what, I hate carrying keys around. I'm just going to toss these keys in the trash can. So I, I literally, I make the decision. It's a conscious decision. I'm getting rid of these keys. Good night, these keys. I hate, I'm always having to keep track of them. Well, that'd be great until the next time I come to the church, I'm trying to come to work and I'm trying every door and I'm going all around to every door and every door is locked. And all of a sudden I realize, you know what? I shouldn't have got rid of those keys. Those keys actually were helpful. Those keys were necessary. Those keys were needed. Those keys made my life a whole lot better. And I want to tell you what you find if you forsake the Lord. You're going to find that your life does not get easier. You're going to find that your life gets a whole lot harder. You're going to find some frustration and you're going to find some regret and you're going to find there's some consequences and you're going to find that your life and my life will never get better without the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. Don't be foolish and be unmindful of Him, but then don't forsake the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 15 that they forsook God. Forsaking something is a conscious decision to leave something, to reject something, to desert someone or something. I see the character of the rock. Number two, the consideration of the rock. But then number three, I want you to see the creation. Verse 18, of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Remember the story of creation? Remember how that God created Adam? He took of the, the dust of the ground and he formed that dust and God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. You and I would not be here today if it had not been God who formed us. We wouldn't be here today if it had not been God who created us. And Moses reminds the children of Israel, he says, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be alive. You wouldn't be able to see without God. You wouldn't be able to hear without God. You wouldn't be able to walk without God. You wouldn't be able to have blood flowing through your veins and, and air going through your lungs. You would not be alive had it not been for God. How many times do we wake up in the morning and we don't even think about God? How many times do we go through the day and we don't even give a thought about what God wants or what God desires, but everything is all about what we want. 
Can I remind you that we were created for a purpose and that purpose was not to glorify ourselves, but that purpose is to glorify the Lord in everything we say and do. The creation, the rock is the one who created us. He's the one that formed us and he's the one that favored us. I want you to notice in verse number 13, he made him, that is Israel, to ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep and fat of lambs and, and all these things that God blessed his people with. It's because God had favored them. It's because God had blessed them. And then I want you to see lastly in verse number 29 through verse number 31, I see that Moses presents a comparison. Now, can I tell you, there are some things when you compare them, they're pretty close. There are some things that might just be a matter of opinion or a matter of preference. If we were to talk about maybe some food, there'd be some things that you'd say, you know, I really like them both, but if I had to pick, I'd pick this one. Uh, maybe there are some, uh, some things that you would say, you know, boy, I love, I love hunting. Uh, I was talking to the guys back here about um, turkey hunting and, you know, say, well, what do you like better, turkey hunting or, or deer hunting? Well, I imagine a lot of people say, that's a tough call. Those are both good. But there are some things in life that when you compare them, you literally find yourself saying, it's not even close. It's not even a comparison. Why are we even considering this? Notice the comparison here. Moses says in verse number 31, for their rock, that is the rock of the enemies of Israel, that is the, 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 the nations that did not know God. He said their rock, small letter R, is not as our rock, capital R. Can I tell you, when it comes to our rock, there's no comparison. Because there's no other God that can save. There's no other God that can forgive. There's no other God that is everlasting. There is no other God that is all-powerful. There is no other God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. There's not even a comparison. And Moses said, their rock is not as our rock. Even our enemies themselves being judges. He said, just go ask them. Ask them about their gods. Ask them about what they've got going on. And you'll find that it's not even close. Notice verse number 32. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom. And of the fields of Gomorrah, their grapes are grapes of gall. And their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. He compares what the heathen have as compared to what God gives. And he says, hey, my people... They're in a land that's flowing with milk and honey. My people, they've got honey coming out of the rock. My people, they've got meat to eat. My people, they are taken care of. My people are blessed. And when it comes to their fields and when it comes to their fruit, there's no comparison. But then I want you to notice verse number 29. When it comes to the future, there's no comparison. Now, I think serving God right now is better than anything the world has to offer right now. On April, what's today? It's April the 3rd. On April the 3rd, 
2022. I think serving God is better right now than anything the world has to offer today. But what happens when you compare the future? What happens when you compare where you and I will all be 100 years from now? Every one of us in this room, we're going to be spending forever. We're going to be spending our future somewhere. And here's where there's no comparison. You see, God offers the rock of our salvation. Salvation offers a home in heaven. Salvation offers eternal life in a place where they pave the streets with gold. Now, that's not a knock on our Department of Transportation. Brother Scott, you guys do an amazing job. I was complimenting last week uh, uh, Lakeview Drive. I'm telling you, this, this road's beautiful. But it's not gold. It's asphalt. And when we get to heaven, you know what they're using to pave the streets with? Gold. The walls are made of jasper. The gates are made of pearl. Can I tell you, it's a place where there's no more sickness. There is not one hospital in heaven. Hallelujah. There's not one nursing home in heaven. There is not one rehab center in heaven. There is not one funeral home in heaven. There is not one graveyard in heaven. Can I tell you, it's an amazing place. And those things don't begin to scratch the surface because the greatest thing about heaven, it's where Jesus Christ, our rock and our Savior, and to be with Jesus, can I tell you, that's what makes it heaven for me. Our loved ones are there. There's no comparison when it comes to our future. Notice verse 29. Moses says this, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. My challenge this morning is would you consider the end? Would you consider your future? You say, Pastor, I'm here today and I know for sure I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Wonderful then let's live for heaven and let's live with eternity in our view. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I honestly have never been saved. I, Jesus Christ is not the rock of my salvation. Can I tell you today ought to be the day before you leave this place, before you do something else, whether you listen on the radio or online, before you go to the next event on your schedule today, Today ought to be the day that you say, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus because there's no comparison. Amen. Their rock is not as our rock. Now, I've never been to see the Hoba meteorite. I have no desire to. I already told you about that. But I'm thankful that Jesus Christ, the rock of ages, came to this earth and died on a cross and paid the price for our sin. He is the chief cornerstone. The Bible says that although he was rejected by the builders, you don't have to reject him. And I'm not going to reject him. I've already received him as my Savior. He is the gift of God that bringeth salvation. He is the rock of salvation that today he can take your feet out of the miry clay. He can pull you up out of a pit and he can set your feet on a, on a rock. He can give you purpose and he can give you a foundation for living. Jesus is the rock that you can build your life upon. Matthew 7. 
Some choose to build their life on the sand, but can I tell you, I don't want to have a life that's built on the sand. I want a life that is built upon the solid rock, Jesus Christ. And He is the rock that you can run to for refuge. He's the rock that you can go to for protection. The songwriter said it like this, The Lord's our rock. In Him we hide a shelter in the time of storm. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.